to start a new Bible study, a study that's going to take us for the next two, possibly even three uh, messages on Sunday. I want us to do a study in the book of Colossians. And you talk about wonderful words of life as we sing that song. I'm telling you here in the book of Colossians, uh, such powerful, deep uh, theology. Uh, the depth of the truth that's here in this book is just overwhelming. As a matter of fact, in, in my study of this, um, it, 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 there just comes times when you tear up as you start thinking of all that God has, has done on our behalf uh, because of the Lord Jesus Christ and as we desire to worship Him and the truths that just flow from, from this letter to the char- uh, church in Colossae, a church that the Apostle Paul had, had never visited, uh, a church that, that he never got a chance to, to go to, but yet this letter to them uh, demonstrates uh, God's great love toward them, the Apostle Paul's love toward them, and some, some truth that it just is, a, is such a rich uh, blessing. Uh, so, so today we're going to take a look at, at this, this book. Uh, it's one of the prison epistles. It's one of the books that, that uh, Paul penned. Uh, during his first prison, um, uh, his first imprisonment there in in Rome, uh, along with a book to letter to the church in Colossae, he wrote to the church in Philippi. We have Philippians, uh, the church in Ephesus. Uh, we have the book to, of Ephesians, and also Philemon. So those four books are books that Paul uh, penned through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Actually, it was through the Lord Jesus Christ that gave him the revelation. According to Galatians, Paul talks about it in, in Galatians 1. He talks about that, that revelation that came to him through the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, in Galatians 11 and 12, uh, Galatians 1, 11 and 12, he talks about the fact that he didn't receive his gospel through men, but he received it from direct revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that special revelation of the mystery uh, and Paul talks about that here in the, in the book to Colossae. What's interesting is throughout Paul's writings as he's in prison, he always refers to himself as a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. He never refers to himself as a prisoner of Rome. He was always a, refers to himself as a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ, captive to his calling, captive to that message that God uh, was revealing to him this apostle to the Gentiles concerning the gospel of the grace of God or the gospel of the circumcision. And so uh, it's, it's here in, the, in this letter to Colossae, uh, just as it is to the letter to the church in Ephesians. As a matter of fact, they were sister, uh, sister letters. The church in Colossae was to share their letter with the church in Ephesus. The church in Ephesus was to share their letter with the uh, church in Colossae. And there's so much uh, similar truth, and, is, and what we glean from that is the importance of them all understanding what the Apostle Paul uh, was, was writing. One of the things that I want to make sure that gets, point, gets pointed out as we start this is in Coloss- uh, Colossians chapter 2, you know, Paul makes it very clear uh, in uh, Coloss- uh, Colossians 2, uh, uh, 20, 25 and, and 26, um, that his, his calling was to fulfill the Word of God, to bring to completion the Word of God. Col- uh, Colossians chapter 2, verse 25 says, Whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. The word there, fulfill, literally means to, to complete, to bring to uh, completion, completion to, to finish. Uh, and he tells us what? Even the mystery which has been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints. So what we're going to receive from this study in the book of Colossians is the fact that, that Paul has been given... The, the ministry to fulfill the, the Word of God, to bring to completion. Um, and, and as we study this, I keep one other fact in mind. It is in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, where Paul is writing to the church there in Corinth, and he talks about when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away with. 
And that which is perfect is, is neuter, it's not someone, it's something. And here in Colossians, we, we understand what that is that's going to be brought to completion, and that's the Word of God. And so it's the Word of God that, that Paul was given the mission to bring to completion, that special revelation that the Lord Jesus was giving to him concerning this dispensation of grace, and Paul tells the church in Corinth, uh, in Corinth that whether there be tongues that cease, whether it be the gift of knowledge, whether it be uh, the gift of prophecy, those were going to come to an end. When are they going to come to end? If you ever wonder, why don't we speak in tongues? Why don't we emphasize the gift of knowledge? Why don't we talk that today, uh, if you want to know what God's Word says, what are our instructions in this present dispensation? Is study to show thyself approved unto God. Uh, but did you ever wonder about what did they do in Colossae? What did they do in Ephesus? What did they do in Philippi? What did they do in these other places before they could stand and go, okay, turn to Romans chapter 3, verse whatever. You know, they didn't have the Word of God, and we praise God that we have it in the form that we have it today, but they didn't have it then. When somebody would stand and preach, they had uh, to have the gift of knowledge. They had to have... Uh, the gift of prophecy, which was teaching, not just telling the future, but they had those gifts, and the gift of tongues, those three gifts all went together in order for them to bring forth God's Word. They didn't have it in complete form at that point. It was given to Paul to bring it to completion. Then that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away with. And Paul says when we... Uh, time when we, we knew in part, prophesied in part, but that's going to come to an end when that which is perfect, and that is the complete Word of God which we have today. So there's no need for the tongues. There's no need for the gift of prophecy. There's no need for the gift of knowledge. What we're supposed to do is study God's Word, and the Holy Spirit leads and directs us as we study God's Word. So as we go through this, I, I just want to make sure we understand, because when we get to, to uh, Colossians chapter 2, we're going to spend some time talking about Paul's calling to fulfill, to bring to completion the Word of God. And so when he talks to the church in Corinth about when that which is perfect is come, it's talking about the Word of God, which is what he was, he was called to do. And as we start here this morning, I, I want us to understand that because the book of Colossians and the book of Ephesians are such uh, uh, sister books, where the book of Ephesians, it stresses the church of Christ. That's what the book of Ephesians stresses, the church of Christ. Colossians, it's concerned about uh, uh, the Christ of the church. So Ephesians, as you study it, a lot, so many similarities, but its focus is the, the church of Christ, the body of Christ, where Colossians is, is focused on Christ of the church or the head of the church. So you have this picture of, in, in, in Ephesians of the body of Christ and that body of Christ being made up of, of believing Jews and Gentiles who are made part of that body of Christ. And then Colossians, it emphasizes who the head of that body is, the one who controls that body, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, so, uh, and, and the purpose through this whole thing is to show that Christ is our life, that all through the book of Colossians, that Christ, who is the head, he controls uh, the body all the way, all the way through, that he is the head. Colossians chapter 1, uh, verse 15, Colossians 1, 15 says, talking about the Lord Jesus, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, talks about, that's talking about the resurrection. It's talking about the firstborn is the one who always had dominion. It was the firstborn who always had that authority to inherit all that the Father was going to provide. So Christ Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Uh, John chapter 1 verse 18 talks about how that it's the Lord Jesus Christ that, that, that the Word, flesh, uh, Christ was God incarnate. And what we find in, in John chapter 118, that it's, it's 
Christ Jesus who reveals the Father. Just we, we have two ways of knowing God. We go, uh-oh, what's he getting ready to say now? But there are two things that declare to us God the Father. His the written word and the living word. The written word declares God. Oh, it's the living word that really tells us who he is and invites us to know him and that Lord Jesus Christ. So as we go to the book of Colossians, uh, we find that that. Christ Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. But he goes on to tell us, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. The word consist means they're held together. By him everything. You ever wonder why the planets don't go zooming off into space? You ever wonder why the gravity works consistently? It's because it's the Lord Jesus, the creator, is the one who holds it all together. By him all things consist. That's exactly how powerful, how wonderful. Not only is he a God of grace and mercy, he is such a God of power and might. And here we're learning that Christ Jesus is the head of all things. The book of Colossians, the theme of the book of Colossians is that Christ, yes, is the head of the body, but it is the supremacy. It is, he is the one that is supreme. He is the one that is, that is all-sufficient. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, and that in all things he might have preeminence. That's the point that Paul makes throughout this book, is that Christ Jesus is to have the preeminence in all things. And boy, does he do a phenomenal job as the Lord Jesus moves on him. And, and reveals his word to him as we go through this. The truth, the truth of the, the, this book here, and again, this is all in, and we'll get more into it next, next Sunday, but I, I want us to understand that as we go through the book of Colossians, there are such extremely important doctrinal truths for the believer to grasp and understand. And as we go through this, there's four of them that I want you to keep in mind. Number one is that we are complete in Christ. It's what the book of Colossians tells us, that we are complete in Christ. That means there's nothing lacking. There's nothing needed in order for us to have that perfect relationship with God the Father is that we're going to see that we are complete in Christ. There's, there are no works we can do. There are no efforts on our part. There's nothing we can do to make God love Anybody that ever tells you that there's a way that you can make God love you more, they're not telling you the truth. Because God the Father already loves you with a perfect love. He, he loved you that way. Before you ever loved Him, He loved you. And see, He loves you in Christ. It was only Christ Jesus that the, God the Father could say, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And what we find out in the book of Colossians is that we are in Christ, we are complete in Christ, nothing lacking, He is all-sufficient, and we are safely secure in Him. So we are complete in Christ, that's one thing we're going to learn. Second is that we are rooted in Christ, rooted in Him. Third thing is that we are hidden in Christ. Aren't you glad? Hidden in Christ. The fourth is that we are alive in Christ. So we are complete in Christ. We are rooted in Christ. We are hidden in Christ. We are alive in Christ. You're talking about security of the believer. You're talking about a perfect salvation. And the reason we have a perfect salvation is because we have a perfect Savior in whom we are secure. We are in Christ we have been sealed there by the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. 
What a glorious truth that we have knowing that we are in, in him. And all those things are true and are brought out here in this book. Uh, as we said before, Christ is the head of the body. And we are part of that body. And he is the head. And with him being the head, he desires for you to know his will for your life. You, I guarantee you, your head, as it controls the body, wants the rest of your body to go along with what its purpose and what its will is. Well, in this word picture, in this metaphor that God just paints for us here, our relationship with Christ is the same way. He is the head, and He desires for you to know His will for your life. Uh, in Colossians uh, chapter 1, verse 9, for this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So that's true today, that it's God's will for you to know the knowledge of his word, uh, his will for your life. The word knowledge there is epigenosco. It literally has to do with knowing it to a full extent. God wants you to know exactly what His will for your life is with precision. So God is not left out uh, what His perfect will is for your life. He is the head, you are the body. He wants to make sure the body knows what His will is, and that includes the members of the body where He has placed you in exactly where he wants you to be, and there he, he, he molds and shapes and works and uses you in that body. Can you imagine how, chaotic, how chaotic it would be if our head were to tell our body to do something and the body just went, nope, not going to do it. When it comes time to leave here in two or three hours when I'm done preaching, all of a sudden your, your head tells your body, all right, get up and step out of you. And your body just went, no, I'm not going to do it. Not going to do it. And your, or you, your head tells your mouth to say something. Your brain says, I want you to say this. And you go, nope, I'm not, not going to do it. Your body just tells your brain basically to shut up. Can you imagine how chaotic it would be? Well, unfortunately, a lot of times the body does that with the one who is our head and the truth of the matter is God has shown us exactly what his will is. Uh, uh, Epigonosco, this knowledge is knowledge acquired by learning through effort. That's the key to understanding epigonosco, precise knowledge. Uh, knowledge that, that it's acquired by learning through effort. Study to show yourself approved of God. Workmen need not be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. So God wants us to study his word. And when we study his word, what do we discover? We discover what his will is for our lives. You study God's word. 1 Thessalonians 4.3. What is first? You want to know the will of God. 1 Thessalonians 4.3 tells us exactly what the will of God is. What? Flee fornication. The will of God is that you flee fornication. And 1 Thessalonians 5.18, it tells us what the will of God is. Is that in all things we give thanks. That we praise Him in all things. We give thanks in all things. And the other thing that it tells us is the will of God. The, the three, oh, actually there's four places where it tells us the will of God. It tells us that he wants us to flee fornication. He wants us to give thanks in all things. Uh, in 1 Timothy, uh, it, it, it tells us that it's God's will that all be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. In 1 Peter, or, or 2 Peter chapter 3, it tells us that God's not willing that any should perish. So what we have from God's Word is we study God's Word wanting to know the, what the knowledge of His will is in all wisdom and spiritual understanding is this. is that God desires purity from His body. God desires praise from His body. And God desires service from His body. He wants you to know His will. That purity is a part of it, a testimony. 
that, that praise is part job of, of the body, and that service, sharing the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ with those who need to hear that Jesus saves. That's the will of God for the, the churches, uh, the, the body of Christ. The will of God for the church is that we be pure in our works, in our deeds, in our attitude, and that we praise Him in all things and for all things, regardless of what's taking place in your life as a body of Christ that Lord we know that all things work together for good to them who love you to them who are called according to your purpose so Lord even through all of this that's happening we praise you because you are going to be glorified it's not saying that all things are caused by God it doesn't say that everything is good it just says that God uses all things for good to glorify himself so that's how we can praise him in all things and for all things knowing that he is in charge, knowing that his, his will should be done. All right, let's start with Colossians chapter 1. As we start this study and learning that God, that we're, he has us rooted in Christ, he has us hidden in Christ, he has us complete in Christ, and he has us alive in Christ. Colossians 1 verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and the faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Now again, Paul had never met this group in Colossae. He'd been to the church in Ephesus. Colossae's about 100 miles east of, of, uh, of Ephesus. So he had never been there. Epaphras had, had been brought to the Lord through the ministry of Paul. And he is the one who had gone there and had got the church started. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have to all the saints. That one of the attributes, one of the characteristics, one of the descriptors that should be for every saint of God is that they love one another. And this church in Colossae, they were outstanding for their love that they had for one another. And every church... Every local congregation, the testimony that they should desire to have. And Paul says that, that your love, which you have for all the saints, it's outstanding. That's what people talked about. And that's what I'd like to see here at St. Louis Bible Fellowship. You know, they might say a whole lot of things about us, but the one thing I want to make sure that they always know about this church is that we love one another, that we are gracious toward one another. That this church, and, and, he, and he, what he tells to the church in, says to the church in Philippi, it kind of goes along with this. He tells the church in Philippi, remember, all of these are part of his prison epistles, all of these truths that is, he's a captive of the Lord Jesus Christ. They're in a Roman prison, and he's writing down this about their love for one another, and he tells the church in pretty much at the same time, is he says, let each esteem others better than themselves put other people's needs put other people's desires before your own boy that's that you know what that requires a love a love for the lord jesus and a love for one another so that's exactly what we desire so all of this was coming together as paul is writing these these through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit as he has been, he's being given this revelation by the Lord Jesus Christ. He's, he's writing these, these truths. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have to all the saints for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven where have you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. Uh, that hope there is the assurance with expectation that God is going to follow through with his word. That's, that's what a biblical hope is. Is the, the assurance with expectation God is going to bring about 
what he's promised. And this hope is the hope of heaven that God has promised them. And so they have that assurance because it's based on a God who cannot lie. It's based on his promise. Verse 6, which has come to you as it is into all the world and brings forth fruit as it does also in you since the day you heard of it and you knew the grace of God in truth. Folks, I want to tell you, the gospel brings forth fruit. When people hear the gospel, the church in when he was writing to them, what did he tell them there? For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. And as we talk here, and as we stress here, that it is the gospel of Christ, it is the gospel that has power. The fact that Christ died for your sins, was buried, and rose again. The good news that Christ paid that debt that you owed, that, that it's not by works of righteousness that we've done, but by His mercy He saves us. It's, it's not by, uh, it's by grace through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of not of works, lest any man should boast. The salvation that we enjoy, that position that we have in the body of Christ is brought about because we heard the gospel. Faith comes by hearing and and hearing by the word of God. It is that truth that brings that conviction. It is the truth of God's word that, that we understand that God loves us, that Christ died for us, that we're sinners, that there is a hell to to avoid and a heaven to gain. It is through God's word and the way you gain heaven and avoid hell is by simply, and it is simple, by faith believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. Not relying on your own good works, not allowing, on, not, not uh, uh, looking at your own efforts or depending on your own efforts to get you there to heaven, but realizing that salvation is a gift that God offers by grace not because of your efforts, but because of the work of Christ on Calvary's cross. That, that is, and we're going to be looking at that as we go through here. But which is coming to you as it is into all the world, and it brings forth fruit. The gospel brings forth fruit when we dare to share it, when we dare to tell people that Jesus saved. As it doth also in you since the day you heard of it and knew the grace of God in truth. For you also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, who, has, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. So they heard the truth from Epaphras, and Epaphras is going and telling Paul and Timothy and those others there. Verse 9, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. We already talked about that epigenosis. We talked about understanding that will of God, the will for us, for us to live a life in, in purity, a life in praise, a life in service. Those are God's will for our lives. And anything and everything else, is going to be open up to up, open to you. Which job should I take? Which school should I go to? Which person should I marry? Should I do this? When you're following God's will and you're in His Word, those things are just going to open up and God is going to lead and direct you. I guarantee that. I guarantee you that as, as you're living for God, the doors of opportunity, uh, the doors are going to open that as he leads and he guides and, and he directs. And Paul is praying for these Colossians that they would be knowledgeable of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Verse 10, and this is so important that we understand what that part of that spiritual understanding was that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Well, we've already talked about that. Increasing in the knowledge of God has everything to do with studying. You want to increase in the knowledge of God? Keep your nose in the book. That's how you increase in the knowledge of God. You neglect the Word of God, you're not going to know the knowledge of God. You're not going to know what God has for you without keeping your nose in the book. 
but you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. Now, when Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus, he instructed them to walk worthy of the vocation or walk worthy of the calling that God has placed on them. And also in Ephesians, again, as if in Ephesus you're reading all of that and you're thinking, oh, that's for me. That's a, that's a love letter to me from God. This is what God is saying to me. And then you put that love letter down in the letter that went to the church in Colossae and you're reading that and they all just fit like a glove, to, again, emphasizing that it's God's will that you might walk worthy of. It's in the letter to the Ephesians that we find that you that calling, that vocation. And it's in Ephesians in chapter 1 that we find out that that calling is that we understand our inheritance in Christ, that we are joint heirs in Christ, that we're heirs of God. That's our calling, and that we walk worthy. We, we walk like those people who have been saved by an all-powerful, loving God, that we have been redeemed by the blood of that all-caring, loving God, that we walk as children of that God and understand that we have been made heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ, and we walk as those who have all of that to inherit what he talks about in Ephesians chapter 1. He describes that inheritance. Saints in light, he describes that inheritance, that, that high calling that we have in Christ. And that believer, church, body of Christ, the head wants you to walk worthy of that vocation, walk worthy of that. We find in the letter to the Corinthians that they are called ambassadors for Christ, ministers of the word of reconciliation. What an important ministry that is. See, as we study God's word, all of these letters that Paul wrote to these different churches, the body of Christ, they all just make perfect sense on who we are. And, and what's interesting about verse 10 in Colossians 1, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, what God's Word tells us? Because you could look and you could go, oh, and, and to all pleasing. Well, what does that mean? What does all pleasing mean? Well, the, one place in the Scripture that tells us how we please God. And without it, it's impossible to please God. Faith. God wants us to walk by faith. God wants us to trust Him by faith. That's God's calling on our lives. That you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. Drop down to Colossians 4, uh, chapter 3. I mean chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. As you've received the Lord, that's how God wants you to How did you receive Him? By faith. By faith. So you see how those verses just fit together. That God wants you to walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. In other words, how He wants you to walk is by faith. Trusting Him. Depending on Him. Knowing that He is a faithful God. And that He is going to supply your every need according to His riches and glory. Knowing that He is going to return. Knowing that He is the one who is in charge of your life. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. And by faith we can live to please Him, unto all pleasing. Matter of fact, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Being fruitful in every good work, every good work. And to the church in Ephesus, what did He tell them? That you're created under what? Good works that God has ordained that you walk according. You're not saved by good works. You can't earn your salvation. Your works do not save you. God's grace through faith, that's what brings you to a saving knowledge of Christ, where you rely on Him. That's what salvation is. But once you're saved, what does God call us to? To good works. And what is the primary work that all through here that is the ministry of the word of reconciliation, telling people that Jesus saves, telling them that Christ died for their sins, 
being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Folks, God's desire is for you to know what His book says. From Genesis to Revelation. And not only are you to know what it says from Genesis to Revelation, but you are to know how to properly handle it. And to properly handle it, you have to know how to rightly divide it. You have to know what that entails, what that means. And if you don't know, see me afterwards and, or call me to share all that with you. Strengthened, verse 11. Strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and longsuffering and joyfulness. See, that's one of the promises that we have from God is this church in Colossae. And I guarantee you, they were being persecuted. They, they were not popular. But it is God who strengthens you with all might according to his glorious power. And folks, it is glorious, and it is powerful. See, to the church in Ephesus, you almost do a study of Colossians, and as you do a study in Colossians, you're doing a study in Because it's in Colossians chapter 6 that we find out that we're to put on the whole armor of God. We're to strap on that armor, and we're not to stand in our own strength, we're to stand in whose strength? His strength. So he's telling the same church here in Colossae, the same thing. Strengthen with all might according to his glorious power. Matter of fact, look at Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. The power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And folks, the devil is real. It's not a fairy tale. And he hates you. And you know the reason he hates you? is because to the letter to the church in Rome, Paul told them that soon the church was going to, that God was going to crush under their feet shortly. Satan knows that the purpose and God's plan for the church, the body of Christ, is to bring an end to Satan. No wonder he hates you. The church is going to do what? Judge angels according to the letter to the church in Corinth. So no wonder he hates us. That's the fallen angels. And when the church takes up its position in the heavens, and there's no room for Satan there, he will not be able to... Uh, go before the throne and accuse the brethren, and there's no place found in There's war between Michael and his angels. That's not fantasy. That is going to happen. And when the church takes up its position at the rapture, we're caught up to meet the Lord in the air, and the church, the body of Christ, there in Romans 16, tells us that we're going to crush Satan under our feet shortly, or God's going to crush him under our feet. He's going to use the church as we take up our position to kick Satan out of heaven. Satan's not in hell, by the way. That's not his domain. That is the very last place that he wants to go. But that's where he's going. And then he's kicked out of heaven. He comes to earth. And what, is, what does John say in Revelation? Woe goes her on earth during that tribulation. Because when Satan is kicked out, he knows he has but a short time. He can read the Bible. He knows what it says. He knows what's coming. I don't know how I got off on that, but it's, it's still good theology, good, good preaching. But strengthen with all might according to his glorious power. Oh, I know I got onto it. In Ephesians chapter 6, that we might know how to stand against the wiles of the devil. You need to have on the, breast, the, uh, the, the whole armor of God. And here in the church in Colossae, he's talking to them about how that all dominions, all principalities, all powers, things were created by him and him uh, uh, in Ephesians they're being warned about some of those powers of darkness some of those powers that that exist giving thanks back to Colossians 1 giving thanks unto the father which has made us meet 
The word there is qualified. Giving thanks unto the Father which has made us qualified to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Thanking God the Father for making us qualified to be sharers of that gift of eternal life. To be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. I'm going to tell you something. This man would not be qualified based on my own works, no, anything right that I could do, anything righteous that I would dare try to accomplish still falls short of holiness and righteousness. I could never, ever qualify for heaven. I could never, ever qualify to be part of the glorious body of Christ. There are no amount of work. There's no, there's no matter of religious practices. There's nothing that I could do to warrant salvation and to be a partaker of the inheritance of the saints in light. In light. Answers that. Giving thanks unto the Father which has made us qualified to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. How, how are we made qualified? Pat played it just a little while ago for all the kids that were listening. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. I am qualified. The Father's made me qualified not because of my works of righteousness, but because He loved me so much, He loved you so much, that He took upon Himself and paid that debt that I owed, that you owed. Giving thanks unto the Father which has made us qualified. It's through His shed blood. It's through what He accomplished that causes me to be able to stand and say, Heaven is my home. Not because I'm a good man, but because I have a loving, gracious God who paid the debt that I owed. He makes me qualified. He makes me one who will partake the inheritance. <laughs> I am heir of God. Let me tell you, I won't pat myself on the back. We're joint heirs of Christ. Hey, there's no high fives going on here. The one that gets the glory is the one who hung on the cross. The one who we thank is the one that suffered at the hands of lost and sinful man, paying the debt for lost and sinful man. What great love. What, just so that God could have that relationship that He desires to have with us restored. God desires us to be reconnected to Him. And so He made the way through Christ Jesus giving thanks unto the Father who has made us qualified to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son. My position in Christ right now, this very second, is seated with Him in the heavenlies. See, that's the neat thing about being part of the body of Christ and that metaphor that God presents. You know where I'm seated right now? According to Scripture, in the heavenlies. I am seated with Christ in the heavenlies this very moment. In His body. That's the way God the Father sees me. And that's what counts. It's not how the world sees me. It's how God the Father sees me. And He sees me seated with His Son in the heavenlies. Sealed in His Son. Sealed in that body until the day of redemption. Matter of fact, that's what he told to the church in Ephesus. 
Let's read it. Let's go to the, real quick. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed until the day of redemption. You are sealed unto the day of redemption by the Holy Spirit. Look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. In whom you also trusted, after that you heard the word of the truth. You heard the gospel. The gospel of your salvation, the good news of your salvation, that gospel that Christ died for your sins, was buried, and rose again. You heard that gospel of your salvation in whom also after that you believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. And you were sealed until the next time you sinned. You were sealed until the next time you did something that God disapproves of. Is that what it says? You were sealed until the day of redemption. You know why? Because you are in His Son in whom He is well pleased. Folks, that is salvation. It has nothing to do with how many good works I can perform. It has absolutely nothing with the efforts that I can undertake in order to try to to appease God. There is no way that I could ever do it regardless of how hard I tried because God is so high and above any effort that I could ever try to accomplish. But I don't have to because I'm secure in His Son. God accomplished what I could never accomplish on my own good works through His Son, Jesus Christ. Makes you want to sing songs of praise to Him, doesn't it? It makes you want to live for Him, doesn't it? Makes you desire to repay Him even though you never can. Even if you had all eternity. Oh, by the way, you do. You could never repay him. Repay him. But you know, what, you know what the book of Ephesians tells us? The book of Ephesians tells us why God was so gracious to us. Why he demonstrated such love toward us. So that the ages to come, we might, the church, the body of Christ... With him as the head, us as the body, we might show the exceeding riches of his grace for all eternity. See, you know what a sinner you are, but in eternity, it's the church, the body of Christ, as we surround the throne, as we sing praises to God, the one who's going to get the glory is not, boy, was that, was that a really good person and they did a lot of good deeds. But the church, the body of Christ, is going to show forth the exceeding riches of God's grace throughout eternity. It is God who's going to receive the praise. It is the Lord Jesus Christ that is going to be worshipped all through eternity. What a plan of salvation. What a plan of salvation who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son, in whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. That redemption meaning means to be bought back, to be reconnected, and we have that through His blood. And as we said last week, It's important that we understand that it's through His blood. No one else could have died for you because no one else was the perfect Lamb of God. No one else was sinless, but He was. The sinless, perfect Lamb of God, without spot, without blemish. And so when He, the innocent one, no sin, shed His blood, It is that righteous blood shed for you that buys our pardon, that buys our redemption. That's what we find out in this book written to the church in Colossae and to the church in Ephesus. 
church uh, to Philemon. Oh, we're probably going to get to Philemon eventually. Oh, man, what a book. What a picture of our salvation. A slave being sent back. Uh, a, a slave being purchased and bought. What, what God has done in that slave's life. Wow, what a tremendous picture of our relationship with Christ. But here's the question. Do you know him this morning? By faith have you placed your trust which is, that's, pleases God. Have you trusted Christ Jesus? If you're trusting in your own works, it's not going to get it. You're in for a rude awakening. The simple fact is, God loves you. Christ died for you. Salvation is yours through him. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning and we just praise your holy and most precious name for that salvation that we have in Christ. Father, we come acknowledging it's not through our deeds. There's no boasting that could take place. Father, we come before you humbly recognizing that it's what took place on Golgotha. We come acknowledging that it's what took place on Calvary Cross that cleanses us from all sin. Father, we I'm acknowledging that it's what took place on the cross as you were delivered for our sins, our offenses, our transgressions, that you paid that debt. So, Father, we rejoice in the cross, understanding what it cost you, but understanding what was won as you shed your precious blood. And, Father, we come rejoicing in the other part of that Good news is that the tomb is empty. Father, we come acknowledging that you were delivered from our offenses, but you were raised again for our justification. Father, the grave couldn't keep you. The wages of sin did not apply because of who you are. And Father, we come acknowledging that perfect salvation that we have in our perfect Savior. And Father, may we be serious about living for him desiring to serve you all the days of our lives. Father, knowing that we'll have all eternity to sing praises unto you, to worship you. And Father, it's with excitement, it's with thanksgiving that we know that heaven is our home. And I pray this morning that every person who is listening to this message knows you a Savior. Faith, they're trusting in you. Not themselves, but in you. That's what pleases you. Faith, trust you. And become that new creation that you offer. And Father, we pray all these things in that name that's above all other names. Father, we pray these things in that name that every knee is going to bow to, every tongue is going to confess to, for your glory. In the name of Jesus, who is Lord of all. Amen.